Hello again. Welcome back to RCC Online. Um, I'm so happy that you're here with us today as we continue to explore joy, how we can have more joy in our lives. That's the series that we're on here at church. We're in the third week. And last week, if you were out at Green Lake or, or if you watched online, we talked about joy being different than happiness. We talked about how happiness is like a, a thermometer in our lives, that, that as our circumstances change, we might be more or less happy, much the same as a thermometer goes up and down with the temperature. We compared it to joy. We said that joy is more like a thermostat. With a thermostat, you set the temperature, you set the environment, you set the circumstance, and that kind of changes how everything feels. That's joy in our lives. We can set a joy thermostat according to God. And if you were here last week, great. If that interests you, you could go back and, and listen online. But it's important. It's so important for you and I, for us to, to focus on developing this joy thermostat in our lives. N not having a happiness thermometer, not changing with the conditions, but instead always being able to experience joy in any condition. Because life has all sorts of conditions. Life is a mixture of pain and pleasure. It's a mixture of, of victory and defeat, of success and failure, of mountaintops and valleys, of good days and bad days. That's just the way life is. But in Scripture, God makes promises to us. And one of the promises from God to us in Scripture is that he'll always be with us, always, even in our dark days, and he will always help us find joy in our lives. So today, we're, we're going to look at what God says in Scripture. We're going to look at specifically what he says about finding joy in our lives, and then even more specifically, what he says about finding joy in our lives during those dark days, during those difficult times, during those valleys in our life. How can we have joy in the most difficult difficult of circumstances. That's what we're looking at. Because God says that we never go through a dark day in our lives alone. That's in Isaiah. God promises to be with us. Here it is. He says, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. That's a promise from God to us. He says, I'll be with you. I'll go through it with you. I'll be with you as you go through it. So it's, it's not like God's ever up there in heaven looking down on us and saying, wow, that's a tough one. I hope they make it. He doesn't do that. Instead, he's there with you. He's swimming with you in the river. He's walking with you in the dark. He's saying, I want to help you through this. I want to be close to you so that you don't drown in life. And if you're a parent, if you think about it as a parent, you always want to be with your kids when they're struggling, when they're sick. You would do anything for them, and you would even take the sickness from them yourself just to help them. When they have a doctor appointment, you want to go and you want to talk to the doctor, and you want to be sure that they're being well cared for. The first day of school, if you've ever taken your child to the first day of kindergarten, uh, you're so nervous for them, and you want them to have the best time ever. It's a little bit of a stressful thing as a parent. I honestly kind of botched that one with our oldest. They had a... a I didn't really know how to do all this. They had a day before the first day of school where you went with your child and spent like half a day and you went in the classroom and did all this stuff. And, and I thought that was enough. I went to that and all the other parents were there and, and we spent the, the few hours there. And then the first day came the next day and I got to the school that day and I dropped him off at the door and I said, have a great day, tiger. And that was it. And there he ran off towards the door and I thought I was being a good parent only to find out later that like all the other parents go in on the first day and you walk your child to the classroom and all this stuff. And I, I found out kind of the hard way later in the week um, from an, like another parent that everyone was there and my, my son was kind of walking around lost in the hall and a teacher had to find him and, and I just had more confidence in him than that. It was, like, it was like 20 feet from the door to the classroom. I thought he could make it. He didn't. 
Um, he still teases me about this. He's an adult now, and he, he brings back this every once in a while, my, my failure on his first day of school. But I wanted to be there for him. I wanted to do it right, and I still feel a little bad that I didn't do it right that day. Um, when your children have nightmares, right? You, you crawl in bed with them. When they're dating, when they have injuries, you want to help them through all of that difficult stuff. Not only do we, as parents, want to be with our kids during our dark days, during their dark days, God our Father, He sees Himself as our Father. He wants to comfort and protect us through our, through our dark days as well, no matter how old we are. Look at this with me. It's Psalm 23. I'm sure that you've heard this one before. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me, and they comfort me. Well, as this was being written way back when, thousands of years ago, in Israel, there, there, there really is a valley of death. It's this narrow, deep, steep canyon, and, and there's only even sunlight, like at high noon, right when the sun's all the way above, there's, there's, there's sunlight at the bottom of this canyon. Otherwise, it's always dark, and it's a dangerous place. Back then, it was a place where people would get robbed or, or hurt, and everyone knew this. So as he wrote this, the, the people that were reading it or hearing him speak it, they knew all about that place. They knew it was a dangerous place. They knew how afraid they would be in that place. So they knew how important it was for God to be with them. Compared to these days, maybe, maybe we could say it's like a, a, a dangerous street, possibly in a big city. Um, I grew up in Milwaukee. I, I grew up in a very dangerous area of Milwaukee. I spent my entire childhood there. If you were going to go there now and, and you were going to be there at night, you'd know it was dangerous. There was, there was like 8,000 and some violent crimes in Milwaukee last year. It, it, it can be a dangerous place at night in certain areas. You wouldn't want to be there alone. Maybe you'd want to go there with someone who's already been, who could say, hey, let's stay away from this street or go this other direction. Or, or even better, you'd want to go there with a police officer. Those would be great things, safe choices. You would do it for sure. You wouldn't want to go alone. Why would you want to go through life's most difficult moments alone when God, the creator of the universe, all-knowing, all-powerful, wants to be there with you in the darkest, most dangerous of times? He's offering to be there with you. Why would you ever want to go alone? He's offering to do whatever it takes for you to feel comfort and safety. Well, to experience that, to find joy in dark valleys, to find God's comfort in dark valleys, to experience this, we have to rely on God's protection and his comfort. So if, if we look back at our verse for just a moment, you can see that David reminds himself that God's rod and staff protect and comfort him. That's significant because David was a shepherd. Jesus is also called our good shepherd for us. But David, as a shepherd, knew that the rod and the staff were the two basic tools of being a shepherd, a, a rod. A rod was basically a, a couple feet long piece of wood with a big knot at the end, and, and it was kind of a weapon. The shepherd would carry this, and if anything was, was harassing his sheep or attacking his sheep, he, he would throw it like a missile at whatever was doing the damage. It was a weapon to protect his sheep. And, and shepherds were very skilled. They, they, they cared for their sheep, and they were very skilled at keeping them safe. They would fight for the sheep's safety. David is saying that God will fight for us. Maybe, maybe not with a rod, but, but if you're going through depression or anything and you're fighting it, David is saying that God is there wanting to fight it with you, to support you, to comfort you. 
That's what the rod represents. The staff is a little bit different. It, it was a much longer piece of wood with a hook at the end. And, and a shepherd would use it to guide the sheep. He could, he could gently pull them closer and keep them safe with the staff. And David is saying God comforts us in much the same way. He's saying that our shepherd, God, wants to be with us in times of danger, in times of trouble. He wants to protect you. He wants to comfort you during these times. Will you allow him to do that? Because that's your choice, that's my choice. Will you allow God into your life and accept his comfort and, 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 and accept his protection? Or would you prefer to go through your troubled times alone? That's a choice that we all get to make. But in those troubled times, not only will God offer to protect and comfort us, God wants to build our faith during these troubled times, during these valleys in our life. And we have to choose to allow him to do that as well. So will I and will you allow God to build your faith as you struggle through the darker moments of life? All of us are probably the same. We love the mountaintop times in life. Those mountaintop moments are, are so amazing and fun, but you really don't build faith on a mountaintop. In life, you tend to build faith at the lowest moments in the valleys of life. So these valleys in our lives, they can be purposeful. This, this is what it says in Scripture in 1 Peter. It says these trials, or you could say dark times or valleys, these trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than gold. Your faith, says God, is more precious than gold. That's how he talks about you and I. When we have a relationship with God, that's how he talks about us. He is so excited about our faith and wants to help us with our faith and grow our faith and protect our faith. It's more precious than gold. So every problem in our life can have a purpose. God wants to build your character through these problems. He, he wants to help you become more like Jesus. That should be our goal. Jesus is amazing and so, so far above what we could ever be, but we can become a little bit and a little bit and a little bit as we go more and more like him. God wants to help us develop the character of Jesus. Was Jesus exempted from suffering or from dark days? Absolutely not. Did Jesus go through valleys? Yes. Will you go through valleys? Yes. And Jesus tells us we will in the Bible. Jesus says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Or you could say comfort in me. You could even say joy in me. Jesus says you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, dark days. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. Jesus has gone through everything that we've gone through. He's experienced it all, and he's made it through, and he wants to help us. Was Jesus ever misunderstood or gossiped about or criticized unjustly? Yes. Will you be? Absolutely. It's part of the experience in life. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. And it will continue to happen. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have discouragement. There'll be times of frustration. There'll be times of fatigue and even failure in our lives. There just will. It's part of life. Dark days are going to happen. They're a normal part of life. No one's immune to them. No one's insulated from pain and sorrow. Not even Christian people. Not even pastors. Since, since becoming a Christian or since becoming a pastor, I've, I've had to deal with incredibly tough times in my life. And, and honestly, some caused by myself. I made poor decisions or I sinned, and there were resulting consequences that, that were just difficult to deal with. But other times, not. 
I've lost loved ones. I've, I've had parenting struggles. It's, it's tough to be a parent, even when you're trying to do everything right. I've had people gossip about me or judge me, and I thought unfairly. All those things have happened in my life too. And it's so important to note that God doesn't cause these tragedies in our lives. We go through this difficult stuff, but God doesn't cause it. He's not the designer of evil. God is a good God and, and therefore cannot cause evil. He cannot do evil. But God can use evil or he can use tragedy for good. That's what God does. He can make your dark days purposeful if you're willing. Maybe the best example ever of this would be Jesus' crucifixion. God's own son was murdered. Maybe the darkest day, the darkest, deepest, worst valley in all of history. And yet God turned it for good. Because Jesus sacrificed for us, we can have a relationship with God. We can grow closer to God through faith. He's done an amazing thing through one of the darkest moments ever. God has and will continue to do good, find good, find purpose in the darkest moments of our lives. God God works through these moments, and it's not my opinion. This, again, is what God says in the Bible. In Romans, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. So God doesn't cause bad things to happen. Instead, he works through bad things to find purpose and meaning and good. So if we're going to get really practical now, if we're going to find um, joy in our dark moments, if we're going to find purpose in our dark days, this is the Monday through Saturday stuff that we work on every single week. We have to refuse to be discouraged. That's so important. David said in Psalm 23 that he walks through the valley. He doesn't run through the valley. He doesn't panic. He doesn't go the other way. To walk means to deliberately take steps through the valley. Here here it is again in Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. Essentially, he's refusing to be discouraged. You can't go around a valley. You can't go over a valley. You can't go under a valley. You can only go through a valley. So those words, will not imply a choice. Will not implies a decision. I will not be afraid. I refuse to be discouraged. I will not be discouraged. I won't. It's a choice. I refuse. If you are discouraged right now, it's because you're choosing to be discouraged. And and I don't even have to know your exact problems. I just don't. You're choosing to be discouraged. Discouragement is always a choice. You can choose to look at all the negatives, or you can choose to look to God for help. That's a choice. And I know that as you sit here, you, you say, well, you don't know me or you don't know my problems or you're, you're being super strong with your comments, Mike. That's because I do this too. I choose to be discouraged sometimes. I, I have to admit, I, I have a weakness with this. I can be this way. Sometimes when I go through a, a dark valley or a dark day, even a little one, I choose to be discouraged. And I'm just down and I'm upset about it and I have a hard time finding any joy at all. This is a weakness of my own, so I understand it if it's your weakness too. Um, for, for me, it's like every time I go on vacation, the worst stuff has happened. Time and time again. Um, on vacations, I've, I've experienced the craziest weather stuff. We've rented a cabin only to have it, it flood. So like the day before, they called them and said, well, your cabin's underwater, you can't come. That wasn't even the worst one. We had, we had the exact opposite. Uh, talk about discouragement. One time we rented a cabin on a lake, and it was a reservoir, and the water dropped. This is in, in Texas. And uh, the lake turned, this, it was a mudflat. 
My, my cabin was, was a mud flat. That was the lake. And you could prance around in two feet deep of mud, but, but that was it. Um, I've had record cold, like literally record cold. The, the weather person is saying it's record cold. I've had record rains uh, where, where they come on, the, you, you can't leave the house. There's a pouring lightning, the whole deal. And, and the whole map is red and, and green. I've experienced all these things and, and they kind of build up after a while and, and I can just be really down about it. And, and frankly, uh, my wife and, and my kids, they're better at it than me. They're much quicker to find joy. They're, mu- they're much quicker to, to just change their perspective than I am. And I've learned from that. I'm, I'm better than I used to be. I still struggle sometimes. But so often you can still choose to find joy in any moment. Maybe the lake is dried up and you go to a fun restaurant instead. There's, there's all sorts of ways to adjust. You can change. You can still enjoy life even in the midst of struggles. But God wants us to make that choice. That, that's a choice he's encouraging us. It's a, it's, a, it's a deliberate act. You can take two people and put them in an identical situation. One of them will be blown away by it, super discouraged, and the other will be strengthened by it. The difference is what they're focusing on. Life is maybe 10% circumstances, and it's 90% how we react to those circumstances. So, so for myself, I'll just say for me, I need to focus not on my circumstances. Maybe you shouldn't focus on yours either. Not, not on my own power or ability to change things, but instead on God's and his promise to us because he does make a very significant promise to us in Scripture. It's in Colossians. It says, you will have, so, so no, it's not will not anymore, you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. So there it is with the joy again. You, you can have joy. You will have the patience you need. You will have the endurance you need. You can have all that as you connect, as you draw closer to God and thank him for what you have. So, so it's a choice. You will. You will, says God. You will. Will versus will not. It's always a choice. These are decisions you can make. And right now, in, in all of our lifetimes, Maybe, uh, possibly, the most difficult time to make that sort of decision, whether we're discouraged or not discouraged. 2020, um, maybe the most stressful time of our lives. Uncertainty, of course. There's, there's corona tension. There's racial tension. There's election tension. There's all this stuff going on, and it's so easy to get down about it. I, I found with a little research this week, the National Center of Health Research found in July of 2019, so pre-all this, 8% of people had an anxiety disorder compared to July of 2020 where they said 36% of people were struggling with anxiety. That's crazy. Four times more in just a year. Anxiety's real. Pastor Danny was teaching our students this week at Student Life. And he was teaching about joy. We, we teach on the same subjects. And he said something that, that, that I thought was, was amazing. I, I wrote it down. He said, anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. He said, if it's something big enough to worry about, it's something big enough to pray about. I, I thought that was genius. I'm, I'm so proud of him, and I'm so proud of our teens as they study the same things we study on Wednesday nights. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. You should connect with God on things you're worried about. And, and in a sense, we taught about that last week as well, right? At the end of the sermon last week, I said, we should say a prayer every single day to God in the morning. We say, God, please use me today. That, that's how we pray about anxiety. We want to be used by God, not just focus on our own stuff. That's a start. That's a start. But then how else can we respond to these dark days that cause anxiety? 
How, how can you have joy in your life in the midst of a dark day? How can you spread joy to other people in the midst of a dark day? How can you actually choose to refuse to be discouraged? Right, because it's so easy to say, just don't be discouraged. It's kind of shallow. How do you actually make the choice? I was talking with Pastor Sam about that this week, and he compared it to running a race. It was really, really good. Sam's a runner. He does marathons and everything, and I don't quite understand the whole running thing because I've never done it, but, but he describes it so well. He says that in, in every race, in these long races, he always has this moment of doubt or pain or, or, or fear, wondering if he's going to make it the entire distance in these giant races. And he said that whenever that happens, he's trained himself to go back to his fundamentals of running. He thinks about his form. He thinks about his breathing. He thinks about his focus. He, he, he centers himself on those things. And he says it always helps him get through the toughest part of the race so he can complete the race. Well, I say that because in our faith, we also have fundamentals. Like, like, like David said in the psalm that he takes steps through the dark valleys, we can take steps through our dark valley by using the fundamentals that God has shared with us in Scripture. Now at RCC, we happen to call the fundamentals the everybodies. Other churches have other good ways to describe them. We call them the everybodies here. We have six things that God says you have to center yourself on, six things you have to not only know, but you have to do. You have to work on these things, and as you work on them, you will draw closer to him, and you'll experience more joy in your life. Those everybody's are everybody fits, everybody connects, everybody invites, everybody worships, and everybody steps, and everybody plays. Are you doing those things? As you struggle through your dark days, are you helping others to see that they fit? You're, you're reaching out to people, in an essence. Maybe at work, maybe in your neighborhood, and, and just with kindness. Not with uh, necessarily they got to believe like you believe, but with kindness, are you helping them to know that they're not alone? Are you inviting them uh, to, to share uh, learning about God with you, whether in your home or at church or, or wherever? Are you inviting? Are you connecting with other people of faith? That's so important. It's really hard to go it alone. It's so important to connect with other people that share your faith, and they can help you when you struggle, and you can help when they're struggling, so it's not all about you. You can focus on other people and helping them. It's important. It's important to worship God. It's important to take steps to grow your faith. It's important to play. Here we call doing ministry playing. We get to play in God's fields. We get to do ministry together. We get to help other people together, whether it's growing or just people in need. We get to play. We get to be active on God's team. These are the things that bring us joy in life, says God, for our good days and for our dark days. Now, I've said... Don't, don't choose to be discouraged. I've said that. Instead, I've said, choose to allow God to help. Invite God to help by praying. But then we have to do our part too. You have to do your part too. You have to focus on the fundamentals that God teaches us again and again in Scripture. And as you do, God promises that you'll find more purpose in life and more joy in life. We all have to do our part. So as I close, that's what I want to pray about. It can be really hard to focus on what God wants it can be really easy for me to focus on what I want. My needs, my wants, my desires, I just slide into that sometimes. So what I'm going to do right now is, is pray for myself, that I would do a better job focusing on what God says is fundamental in my faith, things that will bring me joy. And if you'd like to join me, you can ask God to help you focus as well. Please pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so clear in Scripture that you are with us no matter what that you are there with us in our darkest moments, in the deepest waters, in our most troubled times, that you never leave us, God, even when it's our own fault that we're in these situations. Thank you for never abandoning us. God, together, as we struggle through difficult days, maybe even this day, God, 
We ask you to help us remember to draw close to you by praying. And then, God, to keep center in our lives the things that you think are important, to do the things you tell us to do to bring us joy. Help us to focus on what you say, God, not what we think or not what others tell us. Help us to be be devoted to you above all else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.